0: Welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont from DuPont Wealth Solutions. As a practicing advisor and attorney, Greg teaches pre retirees how to reduce debt and taxes and save with less risk so they have more spendable income and plan their way to a better life. Join us for this journey where Greg draws on years of experience and guest experts to help listeners achieve more spendable income for retirement.
1: Hello, and welcome to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont of DuPont Wealth Solutions. Greg, it's good to be back with you. So, Anne,
2: welcome. Thank you for joining us here today.
3: Oh, thank you so much for having me, Greg.
2: I'm looking forward to our conversation. You know, we we talked a little bit before we got on on live here, and you mentioned that this book was kind of your your COVID labor of love. Tell me a little bit about your incentive and why, why you made this book, because it looks like you put a heck of a lot of effort, energy into it.
3: Yeah. Well, um, I had been writing a blog about paying for college for what felt like a million years, Um, you know, kind of started it just based on getting the same questions again and again and again from clients about college planning and thought it would be helpful to just write them all down. And Um, and share them with a broader audience. And then I realized as we came into the spring of 2021, and most of my spare time activities had disappeared, or spring of 2020, um, in this weird compressed time (laughs) environment that we're in, um, you know, I realized writing a book was something I'd always kind of been interested in doing as a a bucket list thing. And it felt like the time was right to do it. And so, I collected a a lot of the information that I had um, put out in my blog and uh, stitched it together into, into a book and how to pay for college was born.
2: Well, I would say you're being humbled by saying you stitched it together because, you know, when I read through the book, it was a great primer from beginning to end of the things that families need to know uh, in their college savings and application journey, that whole thing. Um, and, you know, as we are recording this, we're right on the verge of FAFSA season, right?
3: Absolutely,
2: uh, and those those letters tend to cause parents' hearts to stop beating for a while.
3: That is a hundred percent correct.
2: <laughs> so, um, if you could um, sum up uh, for for a family that is. Uh, the the family that their kids 16 they haven't done anything they're they're feeling like oh my gosh we may not be able to pull this off all these things are on the horizon um where the heck do we get started do you have any any good place for us to start that conversation for them
3: yeah i mean i think the really important thing for families to know is it's never too late to get started planning for college But the earlier you start, the more choices your child is going to have when it comes to college. Um, The good news for families is there are a lot of good pathways through college. And I'm not saying, you know plumbing school or whatever instead of college, which is also a great pathway. Um, But I'm saying if your family is committed to college, there are good options for how you're going to get through there. You just need to be realistic about what's affordable for you and what you can do in the time that you have available from you know, starting to plan today and, and your child going to college when they're, um, when they're 18. And so, if you are the f- parents of a 16 year old, say, and you're looking at college for the first time, you know, maybe your, your kids, maybe a sophomore or a junior in high school, a great starting point is to go to the Department of Education website, which is studentaid.gov. And there's a tool there called the Student Aid Estimator. And you can punch your financial data into that and get an estimate of what the federal methodology says that the FAFSA is going to tell you you are able to pay for college each year. And if that's a horrifying number for you, then you should start looking around and seeing, you know, what sorts of merit scholarships is my student going to be eligible for? What are the alternatives like accumulating a lot of AP and IB classes in high school so we can graduate in three years or doing one of those dual enrollment high school community college programs? You know anything you can do to shorten your college time so that you can compress your your college your college budget. I feel like it's also never too late to start saving for college, um, especially if you're in one of the many states that offers a tax benefit for five twenty nine contributions because that's some free added dollars that can come into. Um, that can come into your family's, your family's budget. Um, but I, I really think for families that are close to college, the starting point is looking at your budget and and figuring out what you can afford and then mapping out some different pathways that are, that are available to your student, um, you know, given that budget. You know, do we have a budget for four years of college? If not, how do we how do we dial that back, whether it's through community college or credits or scholarships or, or something else? The good news is college only costs $80,000 a year if you choose to pay $80,000 a year for college. If you're like the vast majority of us who thinks that's absurd, you will find, you will find plenty of choices at different price points.
2: But, you know, several years ago, I had an opportunity to have lunch with a fellow that was in the college planning uh, business. And he, um, one of the things that he impressed upon me was, you know, just how if you take the time to look at the college decision from an outcome perspective, you know, what is the likely uh, degree? What is the likely work that comes out of there? And then what are the institutions that get you there for the most value as opposed to just going to the $80,000 school and coming out with a, you know, human ecology degree or what have you not to cast spirits on any, that's just the first one that came to mind for me. (laughs) So, but, um, um. you know, it's never too early to start. What, what do you say to to clients that are, that say, my kid is, is two Mm -hmm. and, um, well, you know, Biden is forgiving loans right now, and the cost of education is so expensive. I can't, I can't conceive of saving that kind of money uh, for that particular purpose. It, uh, you know, the way things are inflating, it's going to be a hundred thousand dollars a year when my kid is eighteen. How do you get them to wrap their heads around that something so foreboding? Uh, mm-hmm. And, and abstract because it's 16 years down the road. How do you, how do you help them through that conundrum?
3: Yeah. So I think one of the, so there's a couple of, a couple of really important points um, in, in, in all of this. One is we see the headline numbers about college tuition inflation, and we see, you know, things like Stanford's $82,000 a year or, um, but, in fact, for the last decade, the net price of college has stayed pretty flat, the net price being the actual amount that families that families pay for, for college. So, so very few families pay the list price of, of college. Um, and in fact, last year, the average tuition discount rate, which was the amount of tuition that's not paid <laughs> or the amount that's just taken off the top in the form of scholarships, was about 54%, meaning... Mm-hmm that for every $100 of tuition that's charged list rate, only $46 is is being paid.
2: So it's like uh, just about everybody that thinks about it and tries to to use the system it's, it's like the used car salesman that says, oh, this is the price, but let me go back to my boss and see if I can get you a better price on it. Exactly, t-
3: I mean, it's a lot like air travel, right? You never wanna ask the person sitting next to you what they paid for their ticket. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Because a lot of people are paying very different prices for the exact same service.
2: <laughs> that's, that's so odd. Uh, that's the case in, with education. That well, here's what I would say
3: why it's, why it's odd. At all of these top schools that are, you know, $80,000 a year, probably between a quarter and a third of students are not applying for any financial aid at all. They go in there expecting to pay full price. So if you're the university administrator and you say, well, I have a wait list out the door at $80,000 a year, what should I charge next year? $75,000 or (laughs) $85,000?
2: Yeah, see what the market will bear.
3: Because I got plenty of room to discount that for the other two-thirds of students if I can get these people paying paying these prices. So I think the the big takeaway for parents is you don't have to pay eighty thousand dollars a year <laughs> for your kid to go to college, you know multiplied by inflation factor. And, um, and nor should you save on the basis that that's what you're going for. I, I firmly believe that families of young children who value the notion of their child going to college should open a 529 and should start contributing something to it. Um, my rule of thumb is if you're not maxing out retirement, then 10% of what you're contributing to retirement is the maximum amount you should be contributing to college. So, for someone who's contributing $10,000 a year to retirement, the maximum amount they should put into college is $1,000 a year. And if you want to save more for college, you need to save more for retirement and have those numbers move you know, move in, in parallel. Um, kids who have college savings, regardless of the amount, enroll and graduate at higher rates then do those without. And of course, there's probably different cause and effect, right? If I expect my child to go to college, I'm probably going to save for college. And there's probably going to be some conversation along the way and some expectation setting along the way that you're going to college. But even for families where college isn't, you know, for families that have first-generation students who have very nominal savings, those um, those enrollment and graduation rates are are higher when, when the kid has has some amount of dollars available to them, even even very small amounts. Your second point about what college should they go to and what's the outcome that you're trying to produce, there was a great survey done a few years ago, um, the Gallup-Purdue poll, and they surveyed Um, adults who, um, about their satisfaction and their personal feeling of success with their life and their career. And what they found that was that people who self-rated as successful, when they went back to what their college experience was, it was never about what college they went to, you know, big school versus small, urban versus rural, anything like that. There were six specific experiences that were consistent among people who self-rated as being successful. And those were things like feeling like a professor cared about them, finding mentors who could help them achieve their goals, um, participating in campus activities actively, uh, and things like that. So none of it was about, did you go to Stanford or San Jose State or you know Harvard or UConn? It was all about how you engaged with your college and how your college engaged with you. And those traits, you know, those qualities being the springboards to success.
2: That's interesting. One of the things that uh, I really liked about your book was uh, there, there were a lot of checklists and, and guides and tools there for, for families to kind of work through in this planning process. Um, what, uh, what led you to put that type of format in, in your book? Is that your experience with people?
3: Um, a lot of it was driven by experience, but I also really felt like I wanted my book to be a very practical guide to how to approach this. And and for me in the writing process, one of the metrics for making sure that it was practical and actionable was when I got to the end of the chapter, could I figure out what the worksheet was going to be? And if I couldn't, then that meant that I hadn't provided enough actionable content in, in the book. Um, you always hear the saying knowledge is power, but it's really only as powerful as you make it. And so to get the power out of your knowledge, you have to put it into action. Um, and I just feel like as an advisor, so often I see people who, who come to me very late in the process, whether it's college retirement, something else. And I'm sure you see this in your pra- in your practice as well, where, um, you know, they've spent so much time like trying to figure out what the perfect way to do something is that they've never actually done it. And so, with college in particular, you have such a short time horizon to prepare for it, right? You have eighteen years. Um, that that the sooner you get on this stuff, and the sooner you take action, the better. I keep, you know, I keep coming across parents of high school kids who, Have a savings account at the bank that's earning (laughs) 0.01%. That's their college savings fund. And because, well, R529 isn't great. And so then I was trying to figure out where to put it. Well,
2: put it somewhere. (laughs) Put it somewhere.
3: Your second best choice was better than nothing.
2: So what you know as we're sitting here in a in a market that is declining um and some would say that's got some bottom to go still um you know what would be your suggestion to somebody with regard to their five twenty nine contributions and saving would uh, would you have any guidance uh, without talking about any specific product obviously
3: yeah well so um so I think um you know this has been a really just a rotten year you know with the triple bear market and stocks bonds and cash um 529s have i think one of the one of the challenges that you find with 529s is that People get to this college savings process late in the game and sign up for more risk in their 529 savings than might be age appropriate. And um, and so a lot of those people have have really gotten clobbered. I, I do think it's important when you're looking at college savings to look at what your time horizon is and what's a risk appropriate allocation. To have, you know, the age-based funds tend to be quite good in in that regard. You know, like in our plan in Oregon, you're in a lot of tips and um, commodities and very short-term fixed income, um, which has not done as horribly as 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 the rest of the market. Um, you know, one of the one of the great tools that you have available to you as, a, as the parent of a student who's been admitted to college is the financial aid appeals process. And, um, and I do hope that families avail themselves of that just on the basis that, hey, my savings c- collapsed this year, even though I did everything right, everything I was supposed to. And, um, and a lot of colleges will make up the difference for that um, with additional aid scholarships.
2: Can you, can, can you dig into that a little bit more? I'm not sure if people know of that process.
3: Yeah. So let's talk about the financial aid process as as a whole. So it starts with filing the FAFSA, which you do in fall of senior year. Um, The FAFSA comes out October 1st every year. Um, The FAFSA generates a number called your expected family contribution, which will change next year to your student aid index. Um, Your expected family contribution is the amount that the formula says you should be able to to pay. Um, Now, the important thing to remember with the FAFSA is the FAFSA only guarantees you access to federal student aid, which is Pell Grants, student loans, and work study. Colleges may or may not choose to meet your financial need, and um, and and that is entirely at their discretion. So, if you apply to a college that meets financial need or that offers financial aid on the basis of need. Um, they will get your FAFSA, look at it and say, okay, this is the amount of scholarship grant work, study, and loan money that we're going to, um, that we're going to offer you. Um, when you've been accepted to a college, you can always go back to them and say, this isn't enough for me to come. So please, please do your best, Oliver, please may I have some more, Um, and 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 most um, most financial aid officers are not like the orphanage in in Oliver Twist. you know they will <laughs> they are contrary to popular narrative that college is very exclusive and expensive, and you should just be grateful for the fact that they accepted you. Most colleges are actively trying to enroll and admit um, and admit students. And if you come back to them and say, i I need another three thousand dollars to come here because I could go to this other college, that costs quite a bit less, a lot of them will offer additional funds. And in fact, my online course, um, the college financial plan, which is on my, um, which is on my website has an entire section that's about, um, you know, analyzing and appealing your, your financial aid award.
2: Fantastic. So, um, I want to make, make, sure everybody knows uh, again about Anne's book, uh, How to Pay for College by Anne Garcia, G-A-R-C-I-A. And uh, for the first uh, three people that email me a request, I'm going to go ahead and uh, buy a copy of this and send it out to you. So uh, just jump on in and shoot me an email and uh, make sure that you get a copy of Anne's book. Uh, if you're not one of the first three, um, well, you can find it at uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble, all those kind of places, right, Anne? That's right. Yeah. Now, with regard to your your uh, website, just uh, a little bit more about that. Uh, that's it's it's a, a FAFSA training kind kind of uh, website. Sounds like,
3: yeah. So my website is howtopayforcollege.com, Just to make things just to make things easy, um, and I have tons and tons of content about the college planning process. So there's sections about the FAFSA. There's sections about five twenty nines. There are um, um, just loads and loads of of content and a blog where I. Publish new content all, all the time, but I also created an online course because I found I was getting the same kinds of questions again and again and again from people about, you know, how do I file the FAFSA? How do I prepare for the FAFSA? Um, and so there's some really detailed, um, you know, if you're a if you're a family of a high school student and you want a real roadmap for how to get from where you are now to applying to colleges that you can afford. Um, my online course has, um, has all of that. It'll walk you through figuring out your budget, talking points for your kid in um, approaching the college process, um, you know, last minute saving strategies, filing the FAFSA, you know, strategies for preparing for the FAFSA to lower your expected family contribution. And then finding finding colleges that will meet your um, your need, and finding scholarships that'll that'll help fill the gap there.
2: And it sounds like you're on a mission to educate people on this process because there's there's Lord knows there's a need for it. Yeah. So one person that uh, may have gotten some education throughout our conversation here is my proverbial fly on the wall. I always like to bring Eric back in here at the end of our conversation just to see what thoughts are bouncing around his head because uh, he has always got some insightful questions. So every man, Eric.
1: Yeah, I have learned a ton, and I'm I'm excited about the book. I'm excited that the audience. I. I know I don't count for one of those first three people to email you, Greg, so I won't email in. Um, but And I do have a question for you. Um, in my life and in my travels and in my work and things that I've done, um, I've met a lot of young people that have had to do pretty much everything on their own uh, due to their parents not being involved or maybe they, they're they uh, a guardian of the state or they're a guardian of, of another relative. Um is there stuff in the book for them? Is there can they find some assistance on how to navigate this very very tough subject? Maybe if they don't have a guardian that's helping them with this.
3: Yeah, that's a great question, and it is unfortunate that so many parents um, exit themselves from from the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would like to say two things to that point. The first is, if you are a parent who thinks your kid can do this on their own because you did it on your on your own. You're wrong. <laughs> um, you know, times have changed, and your your child's cost of college is a function of your ability to pay, not your willingness. Um, and and so, parents who think their kids can just bootstrap this themselves are um, are are really handicapping their 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 children in. Um, in a really important race. so so do know as a parent that you have a role to to play here and it's not just saving and budgeting and paying it's, Doing the hard work of parenting, of managing your child's expectations, of, um, of guiding them to good choices that are not just academic and social fits, not just where their friends are going, but that are something that won't leave them with a lifetime um, debt burden that's going to constrain their, their choices forever and ever. So that's one group of people, um, plenty of kids just don't have parents in, in the picture or, or parents who are, who are able to help in the picture. And so to them, I would say something, I would say something quite different. Um, I, there are strategies in the book. There's a ton of stuff on my website as well. Um, that talks about, um, filing the FAFSA, the types of scholarships that are available, scholarships that you can get, um, um, my book has tons of information about different pathways through college, whether it's free community college or dual enrollment or, um, you know, making sure that you're getting college credit for the college credits that you earn in, in high school. Cause that's, that's not automatic, um, and so, you know, things that you can do to shorten those timelines are, are always helpful. I would also say every state has state-based financial aid in addition to the federal financial aid. So if you are that student, make sure that you're leveraging your state's programs. Make sure that you're in your high school's college and career center um, because because there are always people there who are well-informed about those programs. They vary tremendously from, from state to state. Um, uh, make sure that you know about... You know how to sign up for a free community college if your state offers it, because usually that's something that you have to do while you're while you're still in in high school. Um, and there's a great um, a great program out there that is active and um, they have a national organization, and then they have chapters in a lot of states called College Possible. And what College Possible does is they work with high school students who are um, maybe not on the path to college, whether it's lack of family support, lack of family history with college and whatnot. And they have this terrific program that mentors students, not just through the high school process to get them to college and the, you know, the college application process, but to make sure that they succeed in college and, and graduate and go on to productive careers. So um, so that's another great organization to, um.
1: And and I also want to ask you for your contact info for anybody that wants to reach out to you for this amazing opportunity.
3: Oh yeah. And thank you so much for having me on the show. Um, best place to find me is on my website, which is howtopayforcollege.com. It's got my contact links and uh, links to the book and my online course, the college financial plan.
1: All right. Perfect. Again, both of you, thank you so much for the show today. This has been fantastic. And our last thank you goes to the listening audience. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to Your Financial Advocate with Greg DuPont. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Greg comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. And we humbly ask that you share this podcast, rate it, and leave a review as this actually does help others find the show. Again, thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at DuPont Wealth Solutions, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Your Financial Advocate. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available.